Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. All right, everybody have a seat. I'm excited to be here tonight. I am going to open us up in prayer. Not that we haven't had enough prayer, but we can never get enough prayer, right? Um, So I'm going to open us up in prayer, Um, not really for you, but for me. I printed out my, uh, I was going to bring my laptop and read from my laptop, and then I left my laptop unhooked to the charger. So so I said I'll print it out, and I printed it out, and it was too small because I didn't want to wear my reading glasses. And so I was kind of fussy with the Lord about there, and he said, it's not that you can't see it, it's that it's a bigger word than that. And so I'm just going to speak that out loud um, because I think that was a prophetic word in saying that I think God is going to do a bigger thing and he's going to bring a bigger word than even what I have, have, have come to understand. Um, and so, God, I just come before you right now in Jesus' name, and I just receive that word for myself. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's powerful. I thank you, Lord, that you work in ways that we can't even begin to understand or imagine. But God, I thank you that you are navigated and motivated always by love. We thank you, Father, that you put it in us that we can trust you, that we can surrender our lives to you, that anything that we might have need of, God, you have given it to us before we even show up. God, I'm reminded that the ram was caught up in the thicket long before Abraham even knew that he needed it. So we thank you, God, that you're a God who knows the end from the beginning. And when you say verily, you mean, God, that you are sure because you know the end from the beginning. So, God, we thank you that you already know the end of tonight from the very beginning. God, I come before you as an empty vessel filled with the glory and the presence and the person of Jesus Christ. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint the word that goes forth, that you would shift the ears, that you would wrap your presence around every word, that it would pierce and penetrate individually and personally for every single person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to start with nothing that's on there. Because the Lord gave me a word, actually, as I was sitting there, which is so great. Two words, actually. One came when you guys were in, um, in there praying. Uh, and you, you got up and you started sharing about um, just pressing in and, and, and just, you know, we get, we get I think you said we hit, we hit it and then we back up. And we hit a wall and we back up. And the Lord reminded me in 2 Kings chapter 13 when the prophet came to the king and said, you, you struck the ground three times, but then you stopped. And if you would have kept striking the ground, you would have utterly destroyed whatever it is you've been trying and working so hard to manage in your life. And I just wanted to speak that tonight because I think there are some people in this room who have learned really well how to manage some things in your life. Come on. But God has said tonight that you have struck the ground and you have stopped, but I am a God who has anointed you not to manage things in your life. I am a God who has anointed you to utterly destroy things in your life. So I'm calling forth a destruction of things that you have been managing in your life, things that you don't know that you don't know that you've been managing in your life tonight. The second word that the Lord gave me was when I looked out here Pastor Gary, you're, you're, I'm going to call out some pastors. Pastor Gary, Pastor Josh, Pastor Rick, and Pastor uh, Phil all sitting here. Is this like the pastor section? All right. Okay. Well, 
I'm about to give you guys a word, and, it, and I think it's for a word for more people than just y'all in this room, okay? But I'm going to give it specifically to y'all because uh, the Lord shared with me a couple of months ago, uh, somebody had shared with me who uh, works in an optic place, um, and she said, you know, when we go in and we do our eye exam, they don't give us the eye chart that they give to everybody else because we've already memorized it. And I really felt like the Lord wanted me to challenge the four of you tonight, that there are things in your life that you have memorized that it looks like, and there are places in your life that you don't see and that are really blurry, but because you've memorized what it looks like, what the anointing looks like, that you're missing out on a greater portion. And so I just deliver that root word to you guys as my brothers in Christ. Um, so Pastor Phil had asked me if I would come and minister um, before I went to Alaska. And so I went to Alaska, honestly, to finish my fifth book, which is finished. I'll pause so you guys can applaud that. because, <laughs> uh, you know. And so I'm excited about that. It should be out hopefully in October, uh, going faster than I expected, which is how it should be, right? Things should move faster than we expect. Um, and so I went to Alaska, and I was like, I'm going to spend the week finishing my book, and I finished it in the first day. And so I spent the next six to seven days just really just doing a whole lot of nothing except saturating and, pre and pressing into the presence of God. Now, I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, uh, there, there was a little, I think I texted Amy, I was like, I feel a little nervous because Brad left and he was gone, and I, it occurred to me, this is going to be a shocker, that I have never been alone before in my life. I, I moved out of my house, I got married, we, we had kids, and I was like, I don't know that I've ever slept in a place alone. Like, I don't, I don't know that. And so it was a little unnerving to me um, that not only was I going to be spending the evening alone, but I was going to be spending seven days alone. And in Alaska, everything is shut down. So I couldn't even go to a restaurant to eat. So everything I did was in my room with the presence of the Lord. And here I am. <laughs> and so I said to Pastor Phil yesterday, I apologize in advance if I go way over and way too long because there is so much I want to share with you of some of the things that the Lord has had spoken to me. So, so the first thing I want to share with you is, you know, when I went, we had several people have been praying for me and they're like, we're just praying for you to have this amazing encounter and we're praying that the Lord just falls on you with fire and la, 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 la. And I got into like day five or six of this and I was like, kind of feeling a little disappointed. I was like, well, you know, I'm not having any kind of amazing. But what I began to realize as I was praying is that throughout the week, there was an expansion that was going on, not just in, not in what I was encountering, but in who I was becoming. All right, I'm going to say that again. There was an expansion going on, not in the things I was encountering or the things I was experiencing but in the character God was building in my life. And so it was interesting Then we talked, uh, Pastor Phil said, let's, let's chat for a little bit. And I said, okay. And, and he said, I really want you to kind of talk a little bit about the glory and the anointing. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. Because God has been speaking to me and teaching to me for several years now about the difference between the anointing of the Lord and the glory of the Lord. The difference between the manifestation of the presence of God and the actual presence and the person of God. And I think sometimes we allow the experience to navigate and to determine the kind of encounter we're having with God instead of just recognizing that there is a presence and a person that is ever with you 
And that is the encounter. I don't have to shake. It's great when I shake. I don't have to laugh. It's great when I laugh. But when you're not doing those things, who are you? When you're not doing those things, who is God to you? Because if all we know is the manifestation or the anointing or the supernatural encounters, the touches of God, but we don't know the person of God, we're in a dangerous spot. We're in a dangerous spot. So the Lord began to work on me, and and this was my takeaway. And I'm going to say this with confidence. This was my takeaway. I really like who I've become. I really see places in my life where once upon a time I had to wrestle and manage and train myself towards righteousness, knowing that I shouldn't think this way about a particular person, going back to the Lord, wrestling it, and now it just has been destroyed in my life. God began to show me as I was looking into his face, as I was pressing into him, God began to show me who I have become And recognizing that just as he said to the genesis of our creation, that we are created in his image, the very person of God was becoming more of who I am. From glory unto glory unto glory. That's what that passage is talking about. When the veil has been removed and we stand in the likeness of Christ, seeing the reflection of who we are in the image of God, from glory unto glory unto glory. See, this wasn't about me experiencing him more. It was about me recognizing him in me more. Him, me recognizing him. So the Lord, I'm going to read a word that the Lord gave to me when I was there because I I, want to talk to us a lot today about character and who we are because that's the glory of God. That's the person of God. And, and you can have all the anointing if you want, but if you don't have the character to carry the anointing, it will go away. That's Saul and David. Do I want to talk to you about character and character building and the importance of character? So the Lord gave me this, um, this word, and I'm going to read it straight up how I wrote it. You can see I wrote it really big. I must not have my glasses on. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be totally real and totally vulnerable with you guys. So, uh, you know, in 2015, I went through this adrenal fatigue, a lot of physical changes, these kinds of things, and I was a runner. I liked to run. Now, I don't know if you know the physique of a runner is usually tall, lean, lanky, thin. Okay. So when I go through this adrenal fatigue, they're like, you can't do cardio anymore. Your body needs muscle. You need to start lifting weights. You need to start eating more protein. You need to start changing your habits, and and filling your body with a different kind of energy. Now, when you stop running and you start lifting weights, guess what happens? You get bigger, okay? I'm a woman. I don't want to get bigger. So I didn't know this, but I started, I was wrestling with this, okay? I was wrestling with this image because all of a sudden everything that I've always worn and looked good in is getting tight because I'm getting bigger. And so I went to the gym to work out, and I was listening to worship music, and the Lord spoke this to me to the point where I got off the treadmill, went back to my room to write this down. And I'm going to write it just the way I read it, or just the way I heard it. I'm going to read it just the way I wrote it, the way I heard it. You're welcome. All right. Your fear of what you could look like or would look like with your clothes on has kept you from the potential and the full strength of your nakedness. 
You have a capacity of great strength and clearer definition in your character. But you have to be willing to outgrow your current clothes. That's that eye chart. We gotta change the eye chart that we've memorized. Don't let what people see on the outside, what they perceive, prevent you from all I want to do. Do not fear getting bigger. Let me build you into your fullest capacity. Let me bring greater definition into your life. Spend more time exercising with me. Come into my spiritual gym and work out all your spiritual muscles. Activate your gifts by my word. Sit with me, stay close to me, read about me, know me every day. Sit in my person. Very specific. I'm only concerned with what you look like naked. I'm only concerned with what you look like naked. I see beyond the outer layers and I desire stronger and more defined people. This is when the Lord began to give me a word for the church. I desire stronger and more defined people. Get ready because I am bringing definition back into my kingdom, into my people, and into the church. I am bringing a new and a better definition that is clearly defined and stronger, filled with joy and strength. Then he spoke the psalm that said, I will glorify the house, I will glorify the house of my glory. The church will have internal strength, more muscles, less fluff. It wasn't about me at all, y'all. <laughs> uh, you, you will be thick in the eyes of the world, but they will have no idea the strength you have even when you're naked. Only in your ability to lift, run, persevere will they see evidence of the strength that is within you. They don't know what is in you. They don't know how, how strong you are. They don't know. You don't even know. See, now I am doing this. Shed off the garments that have gotten too tight. Shed off the garments that have gotten too tight. They are restricting you. Don't strive to fit in your clothes and no longer let your current garments define your size. Come on, somebody better be getting this in here. I'm going to just speak to the pastors because they know exactly what I'm talking about. The current garment, the current wineskin is restricting the move of God. Because we fear what people are going to say on the outside. And at the end of the day, God says, it's not about what's on the outside. It's about what's on the inside. It's about what you look like when you're getting ready to get in the shower, standing naked in your bathroom. Come on. That's what he's talking about. There is more to be gained. Anybody, anybody want to gain weight in here? No. But God says there's more for us to gain, more to be learned, more to be had. I just keep getting better and better. Do not limit me. To limit yourself is to limit me. I'm going to say that again. To limit yourself is to limit me. I am a limitless God. There is no boundary. There is no barrier. There is no resistance. There is no opposition that I cannot break through because I'm a God who moves from glory 
to glory. Do not think that who you are today is who you will be tomorrow. But instead, expect that your character will get bigger and bigger. New wine must be put into new wineskins. Every season brings about a new shape. I am calling the church to shift with me into a season of greater definition and be ready to put on new garments. And so I, I, I obviously couldn't say it better myself, so I had to read it exactly how the Lord said it. But I want to talk to you tonight about the muscle of the glory versus the fluff of the anointing. Can I say it? I don't want to disrespect the anointing because I love the anointing. But, but I, I do want us to recognize the importance of the glory, the muscle, the who I am when I'm in my house, the who I am when I'm interacting with my spouse. Who I just rhymed. The who I am in every, in every relationship, right? The who I am when I'm at work. The who I am when I'm interacting with somebody. The who I am when I'm in my car all by myself and somebody cuts me off. Why am I so frustrated with that? Because that's when you're naked. You're just standing, you're sitting, you're operating in the presence of God. No clothes on, nothing for anybody to see. Who are you in those moments? I'm talking about the muscle of his person. But let me back up for a minute and let's grasp the difference between the glory and the anointing. Can, can I just teach you guys for a few minutes? All right. All right, so let's talk about the anointing. So in the, in the Old Testament, there were three times somebody was anointed, a priest, a prophet, or a king. Okay? To anoint means to smear, to rub, to, um, to press in. And so when they're talking about an anointing, there was a smearing or a rubbing or a pressing in. I believe it's the transfer or the release of God's presence into or onto somebody. Okay? So a priest, a prophet, or a king, that's who was anointed. Why were they anointed? Okay? Now, a lot of people say there are three levels of anointing. But here are the reasons why somebody is anointed. One, they're chosen, appointed, or assigned. Okay? Two, they're empowered to do. It's like to be furnished. It's kind of like putting on Superman's cape. Okay? He's Superman. Mind you, his cape is what caused him to fly. It was his character. Because you can have a cape and you can fly all day long, but unless you have the character to actually want to be a superhero, come on. So number three is to be positioned, given, given authority, or to be endorsed by God. So when we endorse something, we're giving a declaration of approval. Okay, so where do we get these from? We get them from the three anointings that David had. He was anointed in, in 1 Samuel 16. He was anointed in 2 Samuel 2. And he was anointed in 2 Samuel 5. The first time he was anointed, if you remember, was when he was chosen to be the king. The second time he was anointed was when he stepped in to his ministry, when he was just the king over uh, Judah and the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. And the third time he was anointed the king was when he took over the entire nation, the kingliship of, of the entire nation of Israel. It was that ultimate authority. Okay, so we learned something about the anointings here, that they're very important. So David was anointed for three, three times. Each anointing was for a different phase or a different season of his life, for a different purpose or a different calling. So, like I said, the anointing is kind of like when Clark, Clint, Clark Kent would put on his Superman. Okay, so I, I can't describe it any better. So when we're anointed, we're anointed in a moment, we're anointed for an assignment, we're furnished to do something, we're empowered to get it done. God in his sweetness, he doesn't just call us, he anoints us to fulfill the calling. Now, 
let's shift for a moment and talk about the glory. The glory of the Lord is more of the person of God. Now, where do we learn about the glory of the Lord? We learn about the glory of the Lord in Exodus 33, 34. Lots of places we learn about the glory of the Lord. But the famous passage is, show me your glory. When Moses says, I've already seen your anointing. Come on. So here, here's the anointing is the or the anointing is the presence, the tangible manifestation of the person of God, saying it's the tangible evidence that I've got the endorsement of God. So I can operate in the anointing without ever really knowing the person of God. We know this because the magicians, if you remember, in Egypt went back and they mimicked the anointing. They imitated the anointing. Y'all, that's memorizing the eye chart. I'm gonna keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. They mimicked it because they could imitate. And sometimes when we're in the anointing a lot, we come, to, we come to know the anointing to the place where we can imitate it or provoke it without the person of God. It would be like going to a party being invited to a party, showing up at the party, enjoying the food of the party, dancing to the music in the party, watching the person who's throwing the party, but never meeting the person. Enjoying the party, being involved in the party, but never meeting the one who's throwing the party. Is that possible? Absolutely it's possible. We see it all over scripture where it's possible. Moses cries out to God, I want to see your glory. God, I've seen your hand. I've seen your ways. I've seen you move. I've seen your miracles. I've seen your signs. I've seen your wonders. But I want to see you. There was something that Moses knew he was missing. It was incomplete. The anointing without the glory was incomplete. It was not good enough for him. And I'm speaking to you this day because some of you think you've experienced the glory and all you've experienced is the anointing. And I'm telling you, you're missing out. You gotta, you gotta be willing to say it's possible that I've memorized the eye chart, and there are some places where I really actually cannot see. We're talking about the glory of the Lord. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood, hit, stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now when he said uh, the glory of the Lord is going to pass by you, he doesn't rumble the earth. He doesn't show up by fire. It's a different story, but the point is still made here. But what he does is he begins to declare and proclaim his character. Come on, we're talking about character. And the Lord passed by him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the generations and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And it's interesting to me that it says that Moses' response, he made haste and he bowed his head toward the earth and he began to worship. He worshiped not because he felt a rumbling under his feet. He worshiped because he became he came face to face with the character of God. And the character overwhelmed him. And I'm telling you, that's what happened to me when I was in Alaska. When I was, I was sitting there, I began to get so aware of the character of Christ, and I began to see myself in his reflection, and absolutely there were places where God was like, 
oh, this is a little off, and this is a little off, and this is a little off. But he was like, but these are the places that have come into an alignment with my character. And where you're coming into the fullness and where the character expansion in your life has grown. Where the character has grown. God didn't show up or, ma- or, or act or move. He just showed up and spoke who he was. To come in contact with the person of God is not the touch of God, it's the nature of God. It's the character of God. It's the person of God. Unlike Moses, listen, God has made readily available the knowledge of his person. Habakkuk says the earth will be filled with the knowledge of what? The glory of the Lord. The earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So what does that mean for me? What does that mean for you? It means there's a promise that God has given to us that we can cling and say, God, you have filled the earth with a knowledge of your person, who you are. What are you like, God? I'm not asking about how, what do you do? What are you like? Who are you? We know that God heals. Why does he heal? Because he is a healer, right? We know that God loves. We know he loves because he is love. But have we come in contact not with the healing, but with the healer? Have we come in contact not with the love, but with the lover? I'm telling you, we're all, I, I am telling you right now, I don't get it all. I know that I'm not getting it all. And I'm good saying that because I want to get it all. And I don't want my thoughts or my thinking that I've already experienced or know it all to keep me from getting more. I I know that I could probably come back in four to six weeks and preach the same message and God will have expanded my understanding of who he is even more. Even more. So I mentioned earlier about Saul and David and the difference between them. Saul was anointed... But he didn't have the character to contain or carry or manage the anointing. What's interesting is David was actually chosen because of his character. He was chosen because he was a man after God's own heart, meaning he was in the likeness of God. His image was like God, and he was chosen for that, and therefore he could carry and contain the anointing even when, even when he was less than best even when he was less than best. Saul, on the other hand, was not picked because of his character. He was chosen by the people. And he couldn't handle the anointing. He didn't have the character to handle or carry the... I believe this is what God is saying when he said, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. See, uh, when, when, we, when I was sitting here earlier, I was, the, the, the anointing was, uh, and the glory of the Lord was coming out, and I was trying to stand up, and God was like, no, and I, was, I felt like a yo-yo there for a minute trying to stand up. And uh, it's like one of the worst things ever when you're that deep in worship, and you're like, I have to, I have to speak in like two minutes, and, and you're trying to shake yourself out of it. Um, but there was, there was something that God was speaking, and he was saying, I'm going to increase your strength to stand up under the anointing. Because the anointing that you have experienced is just a scratching of the surface of how I'm going to flow through you. Come on, I'm just telling you what he spoke to me. And I'm going to give you an increase in character, an expansion of capacity, so that you can be a carrier of greater anointing. Our, um, my, my personal life coach, his name is Pastor Brian, 
and uh, he did our, our staff retreat in January, and he does this little thing. He, he says this all the time to me, and now I'm finally getting it. And so he always talks about your capacity and your capacity to contain. And he did this little demonstration for us. You always remember this. He took a little shot glass, and he said, if this is your capacity, and I fill it up with water, and the water represents the person of Jesus Christ, and, and you go and you experience you go to church every Sunday. You come here on Sunday nights and you experience the wave and the move of, of the anointing and you get spilled, splashed, overflowing with the, with the water. It doesn't matter if your container is still just a shot glass because when you leave here, all you'll have is a shot glass. And I'm here to tell you is the expansion of your capacity comes down to the expansion of your character. If you want to expand your ability not to just move in the Holy Spirit, but to contain, to be a container of the anointing, that means it doesn't come and go. This, we're not in the Old Testament, y'all. Uh, it bothers me when I feel the anointing leave. It bothers me, and it should bother us. Because that should be our norm. It really bothers me. And, and there are things in our life, in our character, that shakes that anointing off of us, if we're honest. And so God wants to expand our capacity and our ability to carry and contain the, the, the anointing, and that happens by the glory. The glory is what helps us contain the, the anointing. So God is interested in character. He's interested in the heart of man. How do we know that? Because God chose David, not Saul. See, Saul had the appearance of a king. He looked the part. He lacked the character. He had fluff and all mu no muscles. David was all muscle and absolutely no fluff. I mean, if you read, he was, he was not attractive. But that was who God picked. God is desiring worship, the worshiper, more than he is desiring the worship. He's desiring the worshiper more than, that's the whole premise of the conversation between Jesus and the woman at the well. Who has it right? And he's like, none of you have it right. Because you're all so concerned about your worship, and I'm not concerned about your worship. I'm not concerned about your church service. I'm concerned about your heart. I don't care if you do three songs, six songs, one songs, no songs, program, no program, go live, don't go live. I don't really care. Surprise. God doesn't care because he's only concerned with our heart. That's what it means when it says to obey is better than to sacrifice. Your character, your character. I desire knowledge more than burnt offerings, he says in Hosea. He's not interested in anything but our character. We all know that the kingdom is continuously expanding, increasing, getting better and better, more abundant, growing and growing and growing. Isn't it any wonder that we and our character should be expanding with the glory and with the kingdom? If you are who you were a year ago, you should be bothered by that. I I'm going to say it like I see it. I get so tired of seeing people week after week after week after week after week with the same issue. You should be bothered with that. 
Because, and you should, you should be vexed by it. When I say bothered, I mean like spiritually vexed. Like this isn't right. There is something that is due me that I'm not getting. God said, I've been delivered of this and my character is on the increase. And if I'm still angry about the things I was angry about two years ago, I should be bothered by that. I'm talking about an increase in your character. Not an increase in your experience or in your ministry or in your business or in your finances. I'm talking, those are all evidence. Those are manifestations. But if you don't have an increase in your character, those things are going to go away. They will not last because they're just fluff and no muscle. They're just fluff and no muscle. I, I chuckle at the, at the man in Acts chapter 3 who was looking for alms, something to get him through the day. Day after day, he relied on the provisions of those around him. What did he want? He wanted a touch. I just need a little bit. I just need something to get me through the rest of the day. And I love that Peter and John came by and said, what you're asking for, we don't have. But what we do have is really what you're needing. See, we, we, what we're asking for, when you guys come forward to the altar, what a lot of times you're asking for is a touch from God. You're asking, I want to feel the anointing. But I'm here to tell you that's not what some of you need. What some of you need is the person of Jesus Christ. You need to have a total character transformation. And I say that with you, not at you. Because that's what you need. And that's what he's saying. They said to him, we don't have alms, but we have a person we want to introduce you to. We don't have a touch. We have a person we want to give you to, we want to introduce you to. When we talk about the the anointing and the glory. So I, I, I've, I've kind of like bashed the anointing. That's not my intention. But I do want you to know that they work in tandem. They work in tandem. One without the other is incomplete. Okay? And the Lord spoke this to me a long time ago. You can have the glory. Without the anointing, it's powerless. Because the anointing is, is the manifestation. It's the pouring out. It's the streams of living water flowing out from you. The character is the wellspring of life within you, and the anointing is the streams of living water that's flowing out from you. You can't have one without the other. Where does the stream come from? It comes from the wellspring of life, which is your character. The anointing flows from your character. Come on. The anointing comes up out of the glory. People want to know all the time. I've had people that are like, call me, and they're like, can you teach me how to do that? Can you teach me how to lay hands on people and minister healing? No, I can't teach you that. Because all it is is it's a release of the presence of God from one place to another. That's all it is. And if you don't know the presence of God, if you're not carrying the presence of God, if you're not acquainted with the presence of God, it's just a transference. That's all it is. When, when the woman who with the issue of blood laid her hand on Jesus' hem, the Bible says not, not that the anointing flowed from him to her. It said his virtue. That's character. It was the person that was released into her and she received the person of Jesus. See, sometimes we get wrapped up and we, we think, oh, she was healed immediately because the power came. But the Bible says it was virtue. Virtue is character. It was a, sh a moving of character from one place to another. The releasing of the presence of God, moving from him to her. So I don't want to downplay the importance of the anointing and the power of God. But the glory of the Lord, I really feel like we're in a season where God is taking us back and saying, I want you to prioritize my glory. I want you to prioritize the muscle. 
I said earlier that the glory of the Lord without the anointing is powerless, but I want to tell you that the anointing without the glory is dangerous because it's memorizing the eye chart. We can all mimic the anointing, but you know, you know when you come in contact with somebody who can, who's done more than mimicking the anointing. This is somebody who knows God. This is somebody who is saturated in the person of God because I've seen them in a restaurant, because I've seen them in their home, because I've seen them when nobody else is looking, because I've driven in a car with them and I know that their character is true. We, we talk about this all the time. We live with the residents practically. But I'm willing to bet because I've heard several residents say this, it has really nothing to do with what we've ministered to you, but it's really just being around who we are the character, watching how we interact with each other, that is legit. You've said that to me before. You guys are legit. You like legit love Jesus. You like legit love Jesus. I've never seen that. I was in lots of Christian, you, you've said that. You mind if I'm totally calling you? But you have said that. Like this is, you guys are legit, legit it. You do say that all the time. You think I'm not listening and I am. But it's not, it's not what we've ministered to you, and we have great prayer times, and we have lots of good ministry, but I guarantee you that's not what's impressing you guys the most. What's impressing you guys the most is who we are when conflict, who we are when we're stressed out, who Paige is when her car's broken down and she's got a raccoon in her roof. and every, You have all kinds of crazy going on at your house, girl. But it's not about the anointing, it's about her character, the person of Jesus. All right, so if you're taking notes, write this down. What does the glory of the Lord, what does his person do for us? Number one, it cancels the presence of self. It cancels the presence of self. When I'm saying self, I'm talking about your flesh. In Genesis, the Bible says that when uh, Adam and Eve... Uh, when the glory of the Lord, the person of God, departed from them, what was the first thing they became aware of? They were naked. The first thing they became aware of was their flesh. What once was covered by the glory has now been exposed. And they became aware of, of their nakedness. Now, I would like to propose to you that when they tried to muster up a glory for, of their own strength and in their own work, it was far too small and far too insignificant. Okay? But a lot of us, we function that way. We try to cover up what's lacking. That's memorizing the eye chart. It's memorizing the eye chart. But it doesn't just make you aware or, or uh, cancel the presence of your flesh. It also cancels the presence of your soul. Listen, when you encounter the person of God, I'm going to say this so intentionally, when you encounter the person of God, whatever is tormenting you has to leave. Whatever is tormenting you has to leave. I think we work really hard out of the unction of the anointing to get rid of what God can do in a moment by his person. I think we work really hard to muster up the anointing sometimes. And don't recognize the power of his person. That in his presence, whatever is tormenting you has to leave. 
And it's interesting to me, it's interesting to me that in a lot of places in the scriptures, there's evidence that what is tormenting you recognizes the person of Jesus before you do. That should bother us. Mark chapter 5, the man who was with a legion of demons, if you remember, it says, always day and night he was in the mountains and the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. The Bible goes on and says that he was being tormented. But as soon as Jesus, the person of God, showed up on the scene, the first to recognize him was the demons. They cried out and they had to leave. They could not stay in the presence of God. We learn from that. If I'm in the presence of God and I'm struggling with anger, it's not because your anger is stronger than God. It's because you haven't gotten into his presence yet. So you don't need to work harder. Perhaps you need to sit and surrender a little bit more. But what you need to know is if you're wrestling and you're managing things in the, in the spirit, you haven't pressed beyond the anointing and into the person. Because whatever is tormenting you in the presence of God, it has to go. The presence of God yanks our soul into an alignment with his person. Y'all, our soul, our, our thinker, our feeler, and our picker needs to be yanked sometimes into his presence. I see that and I sense that happening when I'm ministering to people. We watched it happen in my class a couple weeks ago and I had somebody just kept declaring, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. And I'm like, kept saying it again. Say it again. Because you're saying it with your mouth and you're not saying it with your heart. And we will know in this room when that soul that is in disbelief of what she is saying gets yanked into the present. We will know. We will know. And we knew. Look at you. You're right there. We knew it. Did we not? Because all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh. He loves me. He loves me. I mean, just, and everybody around her is like falling out. I mean, we're just... And that wasn't any, nobody touched hands on anybody. We weren't worshiping. We weren't singing. We simply started speaking who the person of God was. And whatever was preventing her from receiving his person of love in that moment was absolutely kicked out of that room that day. Her soul was yanked into an alignment with his truth. When our soul connects with him, not just his ways, not just his movement. I'm going to say that again. Listen, we could do an exercise right here and just get really quiet with nothing in here. And, and really just kind of really activate and begin to intentionally say, I want my thoughts to come into the mind of Christ. I want my heart to come into the mind of Christ. I want my, and when those things begin to line up, boom. That, can't say it anymore, just Boom. Nothing hurts in that spot. Nothing. Nothing torments me. My anger, my anger is inconsequential. My offense is irrelevant. My depression is illuminated. Nothing. I'm talking about getting your mind and your emotions and your choices completely yanked into the person of Jesus Christ. The person of Jesus Christ. All right. Our character is purified by the glory. Your character is your body, your, is your, your thinker, your feeler, your picker, your soul. Two, the glory of the Lord confirms your identity. A lot of us wrestle with our identity. We don't think we do, but we do. 
We don't think we do, but we do. The Bible says, but we with all unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's that glory unto glory unto glory. Y'all realize that Moses had to wear a veil on his face so that they couldn't see when the glory of the Lord was, was fading. Our veil has been removed. Why? Because we should be living in the glow. God, that was good. <laughs> we should be living in the glow. The anointing or the, the glory cancels the presence of self. I talked about that earlier. When Moses came down from the mountain, the Bible says that his face shone, but he did not know it. Why? Because when you've been in the presence of the glory, you're not aware of what's happening with your body. Right? Because the glory cancels the presence of the self, and the glory confirms your identity. In Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's my person. He's my people. He's it. And he leads me beside the still waters. If you read that in the Hebrew, it's the idea of he leads me by the waters of reflection to remind me of who I am. They didn't have mirrors. Anytime you see water in the Old Testament, it's the idea of a reflection where you would reflect, where you would take a look at yourself. It goes back to image, a, re a, re a reminding of your identity. When you come into the presence of God, he says, let's take a look and let me remind you of who you are. I'm not talking about pointing out all your flaws. I'm talking about the glory of the Lord causing you, causing you to return to the genesis of your image. How you were created to be, to return to your original source, is to return to your original identity. I'm going to say that again. To return to your original source is to return to your original identity. His presence restores the integrity of our original design. It restores the integrity of our, of our original design. We know it says we are created in the image of God. His character is our design. The person of Jesus Christ was deposited into your heart when you got saved. That means the fullness of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. His character abides, resides, lives in you. The glow should not be going away. When you're living in the person and not just the anointing. The anointing should come after the person. See, a lot of times we stir up the anointing to try and find the person. I don't like that. We should all come in here carrying his person, being his person, and the anointing just boom. But we have to drag each other in. We have to, we have to warm each other up and rub your back. And, you know, I'm doing, don't you feel like you're doing that sometimes? You're like, on. Let me stir up the anointing in the room so maybe we might encounter Jesus. What is that? That doesn't make any sense. The person of Jesus is what releases the anointing. Y'all, we got it backwards. Because we're so focused on the anointing, we have forgotten the importance of the glory. Character. Who are you when you're naked? Have you been filled with fluff? Are you fat and happy? but weak and powerless. Three, the glory of the Lord quickens your purpose. The Lord's been speaking to me a lot about quickening your purpose. And I believe we are in a season where God is quickening the purpose of the church. 
you said the word revival. I think I mentioned to you that the, the actual definition to revive is to bring something back into a state of usefulness. If the church needs revival, it means it's no longer because it's been deemed relevant. I think it's comical that in, their, in the greatest storm that they pitched the man of God off the boat, Jonah. We don't need him. And, and that's how the people of God have become. We were deemed non-essential. Non-essential. In a global pandemic, the church isn't essential. That's not the government's fault. That's our fault. That is our fault. But we're in a season of quickening the purpose. The Bible says in John 10.10, 10, the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That word destroy means to utterly abolish purpose. To utterly abolish purpose. Because if you can steal your purpose, then you become totally ineffective and you do need revival. When we are in the glory of the Lord, he quickens our purpose because he reminds us of who we are. If you remember in Elijah 19, when God comes to Elijah in the mountain, and I think this, this again, is a beautiful picture of how he says, Elijah, come out, of the, uh, come out of the cave. Come out of your hiding. Come out of your fear. Come out of your depression. Get out of your self-pity. Come on out of the cave because I want to talk to you. And if you remember, God didn't show up in an earthquake. He didn't show up in a wind. He didn't show up in a fire, but he showed up in a still small voice within him. What is that? It's the person of God speaking inside of you. Not because you had a really good worship music, but because you were still and you were small and you came out of the cave and God speaks to you face to face. And I think it's hysterical that God, God says, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, wah, wah, wah. I'm, I'm the only brother. Believing all these lies, they're lies. None of those things were true, right? He got overwhelmed. He got defeated. He got his eye off of God. He got his eye off of his purpose. He got his eye off of his assignment. He withdrew into his own head. And next thing you know, he's hiding in a cave. And his encounter with God, with the person of God, God says, basically, that's nice. Now, go anoint the, the priest, the prophet, and the king. What did he do? He quickened his purpose. He quickened his purpose. He said, I don't care what you're struggling with. I don't care what you think. I got a call for you. I got an assignment for you. And it's time for you to rise up and step into who you're designed to be. Get yourself up and go anoint the way you're called to anoint. But the anointing that he was going to do was coming out of who he was and out of the glory and the character of God. And so the glory of the Lord quickens our purpose. The presence of God shook him out of his slump. See, the enemy wants to keep you from your purpose. But sometimes your own emotions, your own thoughts, your character is what's keeping you from your purpose. Your character is what's keeping you from your identity. Your character is what's keeping you stuck in your flesh. Your character is what's keeping you stuck. We've got to stop blaming the enemy for things that God wants us to work on between us and the person of Jesus. The enemy is, a, is an easy person to blame. But the only power he has in your life is the power that you give him. That is it. If you've got an anger issue, it isn't because the enemy's attacking you. It's because you have an anger issue. Come on. And this is all free. 
Uh, people say all the time, I, I can't. I'm like, you can or you won't. Let's be honest with ourselves. You can or you won't. If you don't want to, say you don't want to, but don't say you can't. When you can, you just won't. I can't get over my depression. You can't or you won't. Because if you tell me you're a believer in Christ, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. If the person of Jesus is inside of you, I'm, I listen, I'm not negating the fact that we don't struggle with these things, that we don't struggle, we don't wrestle. But what I'm saying is it's not a touch from the pastor or from the minister or from Paige that's going to shatter that thing in your life. It's the person of Jesus. I can give you alms, but only Jesus can deliver you. I cannot do that. Newsflash, I, I, I cannot do that. But I can transfer, I can release a presence that can. So in a minute, I think we're going to do an altar call. And uh, if you guys want to come up, are you doing worship? What's happening? Are we doing worship? Okay, perfect. I always call Patrice on the carpet. Patrice, can you come back up? But here's what I want you to hear me saying. You can come here all you want. You can sit in your closet all you want. You can experience the full splashing of the Lord all you want. But if you walk out of that place and you allow your character to get in the way, you will not contain what you experienced. My heart's cry is for you to hear the Lord say the same thing. Your container, the container of your character has gotten larger. It's gotten bigger. It's grown. Your capacity is increasing. And therefore, the kingdom of God can move more in you and through you and around you. But stay close to my person. Don't worry about the anointing, Lisa, because the anointing has to come. The character must come first. Listen, I'm calling forth a character change in our lives. I'm calling forth a character change in the church. Our church needs to change a character. And when I'm saying church, I'm talking about us, the people. It's not them. Don't blame the pastors. Y'all are the church. It's not their fault. You are it. You are the church. I am the church. We are the church. We are the kingdom of God, and we need to change our garments. We need to take off the garments that have been restricting us. We need to put on a new wineskin, and we need to wait and expect that the person of God is going to increase our character. Our character. I want everybody to close your eyes for me. just even in the stillness and in the quietness. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to kind of mess with your imagination for a moment because he, he is the author of the imagination and he likes to write on the tablet of your imagination. But the enemy has been writing on a lot of people's imagination. He's been telling you things that are lies. You've been telling your things that are lies. So I'm asking the Holy Spirit right now, just even in the quietness, nothing earth-shattering. See, I believe that if we were to come in contact with the person of God, even just sitting in our chair, boom, things will begin to shift inside of you. So I'm asking the Holy Spirit in his sweetness and in his gentleness to just kind of reveal the places in your character that he really wants to work on. Places that you don't even know that you don't know. I, 
I even hear the Lord just kind of asking the question, why? Why haven't you just let me shift and transform this right now? And I'm just asking the Lord right now from the inside. I almost want to give you the visual of, of the water being turned into wine. And nobody saw it. There wasn't a big, huge, earth-shattering nothing. But what an amazing transformation. A mi- first miracle didn't have any evidence of any kind of anointing. There was simply a character change. That something, the substance of water, was shifted into wine. He changed the character of the liquid. There was no worship. There was no speaking in tongues. That's, I'm not downplaying those things. But those things without the person is incomplete. So I just, I really, I, I really do feel just a hush and the sense of the presence of the Lord just beginning to rest on individuals in the room. I'm just asking the glory of the Lord to cancel all of your own thoughts. Just calling forth a complete disillusion of the flesh right now. That your flesh, your emotions are dissolved in the presence of his person. Come on, press until you're in a place where nothing hurts. I don't want you to wrestle with the things you think you need to be praying with. That's not what this is about. This is about sitting and just being. Let him be. And in his being, you just be. Don't work for it. I don't want you to pray about the things that you're bothered with or to pray about the things. Just let him begin to do it. I'm just, I'm just calling a supernatural transformation on the inside. find it interesting that salvation the transference from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light is the greatest miracle of all but it doesn't necessarily always come with a big shebang it just comes quietly as we encounter the person of Jesus our genesis of our salvation was because of a person not because of an anointing take us back Lord Take us back to that first day when we fell in love with your person, not what you could do for us, not what we needed. God, just you. Just you. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com.